What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Oh, and it started right off. Welcome, everybody, to this week's May Chuxit discussion group call. Welcome to all of the nationals, denizens, Americans, citizens, slaves, whoever else it's out there. And everybody trying to escape those positions because none of those are sovereign or our position of suzerainty. So yeah, I'd recommend checking out suzerainty if people are interested. Those are levels of sovereignty. Anyway, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about uh, the past few days, and this is kind of a part two, or it was supposed to be a part two from last week, uh, where I was going to cover some of the things I mentioned as far as what I have done. Uh, I hear a lot of people espousing, do this, do that, do this, do that, and then you corner them, and it's like they've never done it, you know, or they heard about somebody that talked about it. You know what? The only things that I bring to the forefront, whether it's on YouTube when I bring up these things or on these calls when I say do A, B, C, and D, I only bring up things that I have personally done and then seen a result from. If I've done something and nothing has ever come from it, I've never been able to freaking determine anything came from it, I don't even mention it. I only talk about stuff I have personally done, have evidence that I've done, and have felt like I've seen uh, results from. Because, I mean, so many people today, the problem is they feel like they're bound. And if you feel like you're bound, and if you feel like you're tied up or you got jackboot on your neck, whatever the case may be, I mean, what is being bound? Bound is religion. It's being religed. It's to rebind. Well, guess what? All of these systems out here today are nothing more than a one-world religion, a one-world rebinding. All right, and like I've said before, it, this has really been done. If you look at all the systems through time, I, I spent a bunch of time today, even going back over some of the old medieval systems and looking at them, and they're all done under the pillar of the priests and the kings. Uh, The priest being your black robe cross-dressers downtown at the local temple in every county. And the kings, which is your legislative body. And uh, this has been known for a very long time. Uh, King John, I believe actually his family were part of the stewards that uh, came out of Scotland. Or actually they were exiled to Scotland. King John even knew that there was no king without the bishop. There was no king without the priest. Because this goes back to uh, the book of Samuel. 
where God said, oh, you guys want a king? I'll give you a king. What does that mean? That meant the bishop or whoever was the spiritual leader or the religious leader at the time would help with ordaining the king for the people. And nothing has changed. You still have the three-city state empire, Vatican that's in control of the spiritual, and England that's in control of the financial. Although under King John, he even signed over under uh, Pope the Innocent, he signed over everything to the Vatican. And then you've got, of course, D.C., uh, which is the military arm, bottom line. So anyway, tonight, if people wanted to come on, I've got all the lines open. If people want to come on, ask about anything, any of the steps that I had mentioned last week, I would be very open to explain those things to you. Um, but also, we've got... Uh, Captain John, that's been with us for quite a few years with the even the original group, Tactical Sovereignty. And uh, are you with us here, John? Uh, yeah. Hey, brother, how you doing? Him and I were talking a little bit this evening. He's had more than uh, the lion's share of experiences dealing with those black robe cross-dressers at the uh, county temple that I was talking about. And um, if he wants to uh, discuss anything that he's got going on, feel free, John. Uh, actually, I, I had a question about what we were talking about earlier. Um, did you actually physically rebuke your driver's license, or just did you just do the uh, agent for service of process thing, or did you do both? No, um, I I did the refusal, rejection, uh, rescission, resignation, you name it, all the R's uh, for being a representative of their corporate entity, all right? And the reason why is it, because, I'll tell you what, when, when I first started looking at a lot of these things, I was very privileged. And the reason why I was privileged was because I didn't have a court date in front of me. I wasn't looking at jail time. I, I had nothing like that legally going on. My life was free and clear like anybody else. I could just run about like a freaking mindless sheep and, and be happy. You know what I mean? But I, I wanted to know. I wanted to learn what was really happening. So fortunately, I did not have blinders on. I didn't have tunnel vision. You know what I mean? And a lot of things that I saw right off the get was a lot of people talking about the right to travel, right? And everybody was fighting this thing. Oh, you don't have to have a driver's license. You know what? I would totally, with everything I've studied, okay, with everything I've studied, I would totally 100% agree with that. But, there's a caveat, but there's some things that had to have probably done much earlier in your life. Um when people first get the driver's license, for instance, uh, normally you get like the learner's permit at 15, thereabouts, and then you get the regular driver's license at 16. But the reason why you get those things is why. Think about your status at the time. Everything is about status, standing, and the capacity you're operating in. And if you don't have the correct status, then uh, you can't state a claim. But you're you're gonna get uh, 12b6. Okay, so what happens at that age, 15, 16 years old? What is your status at the time? Your status at that time is a minor. 
All right. You haven't come to the age of majority. Uh, a lot of adults haven't even come to the age of majority. All right. An age of understanding. But you are a minor. And so, therefore, you need permission to use the roads. I strongly feel that, you know what, if you just, at that age, let that slide, forget about it, go on for a couple more years of life, you know, growing up in high school, whatever, and then wait and start participating in that activity. Once you turn 18, I think you'd be fine. You're going to get pulled over. You're going to get hassled. But I could almost guarantee you'll win every time. Uh, without the deal because one of the things that i saw when i was you know first getting into because the driver's license is just one little tiny portion of all this shit is that so many of the people that were fighting this they it was because they had lost their driver's license most of them from duis some from child support some from other things okay but it was like after their foot was in the bear trap they were wanting to fight it Really hard to fight something once your foot's in a bear trap. I'm all about preventative medi medicine, totally. And so I looked at it and thought, okay, what if you keep the driver's license? What would be the benefits to it? And in realizing that anytime we have to give a signature, anytime you have to sign something, there's only one reason behind it. And the reason why is because there's a contract involved. That's the only reason. How many people ask for the contract? How many people even look for the contract? How many people have looked for the driver's license contract? I've got it. I found it. Trey Bean, I talked to her about it. She's got it. I, I've posted it to the group. And the thing is, is that in that little short contract, if you keep the driver's license, there's a lot of things that you can use in your benefit to where you have a lot more power than uh, the bandit on the road does. And the main reason why is because he's being a bandit. And that totally goes against the driver's license compact. So, no, I, I decided not to get rid of the driver's license, although I have been pulled over without it. I've, I was pulled over what, a month or so ago. My driver's license had been suspended whatever uh what did they do oh the driver's license was suspended no registration no insurance uh that normally that's go directly to jail do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars. what did they do brian get this stuff taken care of in fact when he walked up to the car that's what he said he said brian it, it's not a small town i don't know who this guy is i asked him what his name was he says, Pablo. I said, Pablo, like Pablo Escobar? Well, yeah, just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he says, Brian, your driver's license is suspended. I'm like, you really? You got to be kidding me. I just had the DMV a couple days ago transferring titles around. You know, um, yeah, He's like, get it taken care of. That's what ended up resulting of it. And I, I was home 45 minutes later, like normal. I was sitting back at home. So anyway, yeah, that, that's how I've looked at and handled the whole driver's license issue. So does that imply that you also did plates? Uh, that gets into something I'm not going to discuss really on the air. Um, okay. Because that also gets into registrations, and I have multiple vehicles, and... One-on-one -on -one with somebody, I could explain some things maybe to people. 
that that's what my paid consultations are for, which I don't do paid consultations, but that's kind of why one-on-one consultations are done because some things you just can't blast out to everybody. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah, but yeah, and, and once again with the registration, okay, if you're doing plates, you're doing registration, all right? So you need to go in and look at what registration is all about and what it applies to. And I've posted it to the group also that the registration applies only to the juridic person. And they flat out come out and say it does not apply to the natural man, to the natural person. It only applies to the juridic person. They show a distinction between the two. Okay. So it is supposedly you acting as agent for that juridic person that that's able to go through. Um, now, when I put in my refusal, resignation, rescission, all the R's of being a representative for um, the legal entity, everything that had been on the record for their driver's license vanished, disappeared. Because they couldn't freaking, I thought it would be a trespass on their part. They'd be tying something to me they could no longer could. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I understand. Yeah. I'm so anyway, curious, John. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was just curious. Um. Post um, filing with the Secretary of State that you are no longer the representative of the corporation, post that, what would happen then if you went to register the place? Doesn't that rescind your... Oh, they'll... No, no, no. They would let you do that, I'm sure, because those people, they're just clerks. They don't know any different. You know what I mean? Um, okay. The but, only thing, the only see. thing, I was going to say, the only thing there, as far as like, if you were there, like at the DMV registering plates, where the one thing that makes I lost you. You're breaking up. What the purchase price? I, I lost all of that. All of that was broken up. I didn't hear it. All right. Sorry. It'll be on the recording, even though it broke up on your end. But okay. um, at the DMV, the only thing is because they ask, you know, what the price was of the vehicle when you're doing a title transfer. And when you tell them that the vehicle was sold, and this is what I used. I said silver, a certain amount of silver. That kind of set them back on their heels. They didn't know what to do because they only have jurisdiction or Federal Reserve notes. Yeah, I got that down pat. I understand completely. Right. <laughs> so when I, yeah, so when I when I did that, they never asked me to register the vehicle after that. They took care of the title and they said, "Have a good day." Where, because in Florida, though, Florida, it is illegal to have a vehicle unregistered, unregistered parked in your driveway. 
So when you take care of the title, the next thing they move right into, okay, whose name is this registered in? They don't skip a beat. All right. So when I did that, boom, that totally blocked the whole registration issue. Okay, cool. So that if that, that works pre and post is my question. Yeah. Now, what I would really like to see this used with, and at some point I will be doing it myself. So I'm not espousing it because I've not done it, but I've seen this work with the property for the vehicle. What I would really like to see done is actual property. And I know property, real estate, land, there's big differences between them. <clears throat> but I'll just use the generic term property. Somebody purchased land or property in gold or silver. And see how the tax assessor uh, deals with that. Oh, I got stories to support that. That don't register the property, <laughs> pay gold and silver. And it's off the tax rolls. One guy for like 10 years, the county didn't even notice. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. So I, I guess you kind of answered my question for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm well aware of that. So. <laughs> All right, John, tell us about jury nullification. There are two duties a jury has. I've asked people this. I've had people come to me and they're like, oh, it's just a jury duty today. I'm like, oh, really? What, what was your duty at jury duty? And I said, what do you mean? I said, what was your duties at jury duty? And they said, well, it's to determine guilt or innocence. I said, well, that's one. But what are your duties? They said, I don't know what you mean. People don't realize there's two duties to jury duty. One, a trier of the case, and two, a trier of the law. So I'm going to step back. John, run with us. Oh, you want me to tell that story? Uh, yeah. That, uh, explain, <laughs> jury explain jury nullification. Tell the story, uh, whatever you want to do. I know you are not a man that's short on words. Yeah. Um, so I've been working in the Lake County, Illinois, circuit court for some time. They stole my girlfriend's house in a fraudulent foreclosure. And uh, then I turned around and filed a uh, $270 million lawsuit against 12 defendants, one of which is being a judge. And in that process of that, um, I proved that the, uh, the judge did not have um, immunity. So in this time period while all this is going on, I'm in court one day to, to make an appearance in this lawsuit. And uh, I took a 30-second elevator ride <laughs> from, like, the first floor to the fourth floor with two women that were wearing name tags. And it was, you know, clear to me that they were part of the jury pool. Oh, uh, hey, John. The only John? Yeah. Just yeah. in case, I don't want anybody grabbing this recording and using it against you. Uh, so since they were wearing name tags, it wasn't clear to you that they were to you that they had some sort of duty in the courthouse. Well, okay, so I get in this elevator with two ladies wearing name tags. Let's just leave it at that. And 
So with this elevator ride, um, I simply asked the question, are you familiar with the concept of jury nullification? And they said no. And in a few brief seconds, I described as best I could what Brian just said. You have a duty to, you know, trial is to uh, convict or acquit uh, based on the facts and based on the law. And that was that. So I'm sitting in the uh, courtroom where I belong. And in walks, and of course, this is going to be an assumption on my part, but a sheriff deputy who I deem one of the MK Ultra psychopaths that you find on almost every police department and sheriff's department. And he was all buffed out, a young kid, had tattoos up the yin-yang. You know, 20 years ago, he wouldn't have even gotten a job as a sheriff's deputy. And he does this come-with-me finger thing. And I walk into another court, and I know who this judge is because she's been involved with the lawsuit. And she is breathing fire, absolutely breathing fire. She is livid. She's out of control. She's in a rage. And she started screaming at me about who are you and are you trying to usurp the courts and what's this all about jury nullification and whatnot. Um, and even me, who's very charming and has a great vocabulary and, and a good demeanor, I knew to shut the hell up, because if I had said boo, I would have been hit with contempt of court. So I just sat there, and I played dumb, and I learned this in the Caribbean a long time ago. I just looked there and said, but now I'm confused. <laughs> and she didn't know whether to, you know, doo-doo or go blind on that one. And so I left and carried on with my business. Well, three days later, I found out through an intermediary that I had uh, a warrant out for my arrest for two counts of a charge in the state of Illinois called attempting to contact a juror. <laughs> and so I've been ducking and running from that for about for about five years. Um, hey, you know, and John, yeah. for people that don't know what jury nullification is, let me give a quick short explanation. Say, for instance, somebody gets hauled in, they get arrested because they've got a couple of pot plants going behind their house, okay? And they've got charges on them. Uh, they've got a cultivation charge. Uh, they've got a uh, charge for um, attempted distribution, something like that, okay? And they go in front of a jury. The jury has two things to decide. Is he guilty of this or not? Second thing they have to decide is, is that law correct? Is this law being used correctly? Um, what harm is there in somebody having a couple six-inch tall pot plants growing behind their house? How does that make them a criminal? And they can turn around and yell, nullification, this is bullshit, this law does not apply to him, okay? Because 
it's it's actually bunk he's not trying to freaking undermine society just because he has two little six inch plants uh growing in his mulch pile behind his house okay and so a jury can do that they can disqualify a law that's really what nullification is jury nullification is really the jury nullifying the law that's trying to be used against somebody all right I, i just want to clear that up go ahead john and that's exactly what Thomas Jefferson said. He was the go-to guy on jury nullification in our founding fathers. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> and, of course, it's been misinterpreted uh, subsequently. Um, so, anyway, so I, I do this 30-second elevator ride. I was talking to Brian about this earlier. The key, there's a couple of key factors here. Number one, they were unescorted. And everywhere, in every court, lower and upper, you can have potential jurors from a jury pool or, in fact, an impaneled juror moving around without a, uh, an escort. In this case, it was sheriff, should have been a sheriff deputy. Now, if I had gotten on that elevator and known that these two individuals um, we're in panel jurors. It is likely I would have never brought it up just because it makes common sense. It's like, you know, all yeah, right, well, I don't want to, I don't want to play with fire there. Um, or if they were escorted by a sheriff deputy, I again would have not mentioned it. So that scenario is the case. And of course the court is lying and saying there was a sheriff deputy in the, uh, in the, in the, elevator but that's a separate story so here it gets down to this i just got into a an elevator with two strangers for a 30 second elevator ride mumbled a few words about jury nullification and that is a violation as i interpret it of my first amendment rights to free speech why can i not exchange a few pleasantries with some strangers in a 30-second elevator ride. So well, that's number one. You're in a courthouse and you're talking yeah. about what? I'm in a courthouse and what? You were broken up. I said, and you're talking about law. What's wrong with that? Exactly. In fact, I, I, I think... About, I can talk about anything I freaking want in an elevator with two strangers as long as I'm not. Of, of, you know, insulting them or, or threatening them or any of that stuff. I'm just having a conversation. I can talk about well, bubble gum. It doesn't matter. Hey, John, well, wasn't it the state of Washington or Oregon about three years ago that actually put it on the books that jurors have to be informed about jury nullification? Oh, my God. If, that, if I had seen that, I would have copied that and, and been in possession of that. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, about three years ago that this occurred. I think New Hampshire did something similar, too, I seem to recall. Um, so let's go a little further here. Um, my next question then becomes, is this Illinois statute unconstitutional? It It doesn't. It seems to violate 
you know, what is attempting to contact a juror? What the hell is the definition of that? You know, and that's John, very much in question. It's a gray area in the state of Illinois. John, what, what comes to my mind is if there's been another state or two that have put this on the books, uh, to me, and now the equal footing doctrine would fall into place, wouldn't it? Yeah, but this happened five years ago, so I don't think any of that was in place then. Yeah, Remember, this but, is the 2015 charge. Yeah, all right. I mean, it applies now that now that I've got to deal with it, but yeah, and I'm and I certainly am aware of that um, conceptually. Whether it was whether it became statutory in a state at that time, I wasn't clear. But conceptually, I was absolutely aware of that. It's yeah. So um, and then. Um, it's not even the right charge. How could I be attempting to contact the juror? I was in contact with a juror. I got in the elevator with him. It's not even the right charge. There's no. <laughs> it doesn't say I was attempting to have a coercive conversation with a juror, does it? <laughs> there. So these are issues that I would that I am in the process of using um, to remove the federal court. So that's the deal there. Um, and those are the questions, but it's just so, so ridiculous. And, and that just, we can emphasize how corrupt the court is. And of course I mentioned to Brian because of my, the foreclosure case, I held him off for five years and then they cheated. And then I turned around and sued everybody, including the judge, for $270 million. Um, I uh, am well known in that court building, and they are very much angry with me and, in fact, afraid of me. In fact, a lot of the gals that worked in the clerk of the court office, they love us. <laughs> They're like, nobody's ever done this before, man. When you walk in... There's all kinds of sparks flying and phone calls being made. <laughs> we were well known. So they, these guys, you know, just waiting to get their hands on me and give me a hard time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when that happens. I know the last time I was in court, gosh, it's been a while now, four years maybe. But the last time I was in, before my case was heard, like four or five sheriff deputies walked in and it was a tiny little room. It only held like 30 people and they all come in and they sit down off to the side next to the judge. Like, what are these guys doing here? And then boom, my case was called. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And after I took care of my crap, I walked out the door. I ran down the hall into a, basically a broom closet and hid just to see what would happen. And sure enough, what did I hear? I heard the clinks and clanks of all these deputies running down the hall, looking to go see where I went. I was like, uh-huh. That told me that they were all there just to see what I was going to do and where I was going next. I've been there and done that. <laughs> My uh, exes uh, noticed a creditor series for bankruptcy. I had two federal marshals uh, were my newest best buddies. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> it's just, it's just fun to see when they're in fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here, let me shit. 
let me shift gears and tell you a really colorful story that people will be very interested in. I have often made the claim that, unless you want to continue on this subject. No, I said go for it. Okay. So I have often made the claim that there are very, very few people that have had my balls and have pushed it as hard as I have and not been arrested. So this is going back quite a few years, and this was like, I would say, three years after I started really getting into legal and lawful and beginning to learn the ins and the outs and the realities and stuff. So I get a, I get a summons for jury duty in downtown Chicago at the Civic Center. Now, for those of you who don't know, Chicago is one of the most evil places on the planet, spiritually. The dark side, big deal. And then, of course, we got the usual political graft and corruption. So I walk into the lion's den, basically. And uh, I'm with the jury pool in the morning, and we're having coffee and donuts. And we're having a uh, discussion. And I was telling people what I was about to do. I told people in this jury pool what I was going to do. So the first case is called. We go into the uh, courtroom. And it's a female judge. And she's just sweet as pie. All sugar and spice and smiles and friendly and warm and bubbly. And so she administers the oath to the jurors. And a standard question is they ask, did anyone not take the oath? And I raised my hand. And she said, why did you take the oath? I said, because if I took the oath, I would have to be bound by honor to exercise my duties, and I have no use for the statutes and codes. They're all a fraud, and I can't possibly sit on a jury ruling on something statutory. <laughs> and this woman turned into the wicked witch in the West in about three-tenths of a second. She is breathing fire, ears are turning circles, her face is turning red. And uh, as I had anticipated, she threw me out. So when I got out in the hallway, there was a uh, late 20s, early something bailiff, young black girl. And she's going to escort me. We're back to being escorted. Jurors have to be escorted. She's going to take me back to the jury room. And she looked at me and she said, man. You can't be doing that. They're going to throw you in jail. And in a fairly loud, stern voice, I said, Honey, this is our house, and they're the criminals, and don't you ever forget it. <laughs> so they take me down to the jury room, and I sit there for the rest of the morning. And now the afternoon call comes up, and now we got a cool thing going on here because this guy was a male. He was a senior jurist. He was probably in his early 70s. And so the same thing occurs. Did you take the oath? No. And we got in, and we literally got into a polite banter discussion. And this was a traffic case, a fender bender. So you had the two parties, the one that got hit and the one that hit the guy and their lawyers. And uh, I said, okay, let's start with the flag over there. I said, that's a gold fringe flag. I said, does anybody in this room do the, the plaintiff and the respondent know that this is a military court? 
I said, do they know that the attorneys that they hired, you know, don't have a loyalty or responsibility to them? It's first to the bar, it's first to the courts. I said, do they know, I didn't understand the term juridic person in those days, I said, but do you know they're being treated as corporations, that they are considered lost at sea, dead, a lunatic? Do they know any of this? And so this went on and on and on and on and on. And I've had people all over the country, you know, shortly after that happened, begging for a recording of this conversation because this juror, this judge, this administrator, he, uh, he admitted all of this as, as we were going. So now I think I got it in the bag, right? I think I'm going to be, you know, dismissed and back to the jury room I go because which of those two lawyers are going to choose me, but just to prove that he had the upper hand. And I really respect the guy for this because it's cool. Nope. He made me sit down quiet as a church mouse for the entire rest of the afternoon while the jury was selected. So that was the first time that I had ever gone before a judge in an open court when I was not a party to the case and went for it proving all of this stuff. Now, the beauty of it, and Brian has alluded to it before, I told the jury pool I was going to do this. And everybody saw what I did in the morning, and everybody saw what I did in the afternoon, and they may not, underst may not have understood what it is exactly we were talking about, but especially from the first case in the morning, they knew I was on to something because this check blew up. And then this jurist um, acknowledged that what I was at, we were discussing, and it was an open discussion. I mean, this went on for like 20 minutes. So it was not a short discussion that he had confirmed a lot of what I was saying. So that entire jury pool went home that day with knowledge that there was something going on that they didn't know about. And I walked out unarrested. So I wanted to share that story because that was the first time I actually went for it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really a good story, you know. And, and maybe I'm gonna have to retitle this call uh, during nullification. I don't know, but yeah. you know, one of the things I want to touch on too is because I hear and a lot of the guru guano out there, uh, everybody talking about corporation. You're a corporation. I mean, I want I want to tackle that right now. You are not a corporation. You might be a corporate entity but that does not mean you're a corporation a corporate entity can be a partnership a trust an llc many things many, many things can be a corporate entity but being a corporate entity does not mean you're a corporation if you're a corporation that means that you have your own corporate charter or compact set out you have your own rules you have officers within your corporation and you have regular meetings in your corporation that people have access you know what so now physically you and i we are not corporations we might be a corporate construct as like a i would say a partnership actually that's really what it would come down to uh, anyway that's absolutely correct. 
but I didn't possess that understanding at the time of this event. You're absolutely right, but that's my that was my understanding, you know, at that time. I'd only been in this for about two or three years, and like I said, this was my test. I'm going to go before the judges and see if I I know what I think I know. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But that that was my understanding at that time. Well, the thing is. One of the things is, John, is, you know, people send me recordings of their, their court dates and their court hearings all the time. And to me, it's like nails on a chalkboard because I hear people get up and they're like, I'm not the corporation, I, I'm not the corporation Jane Doe. Or, and I'm like going, I can't believe you said that because, of course, you're not a corporation. And they will agree with you. They will totally agree with you. But just because they agree with you doesn't mean you've won. They're only agreeing with you because you're incorrect in your presumption. Yep. 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 Oh, incidentally, if anybody's interested, um, I did a write-up of that experience like the next day, and it's posted in one of my Facebook groups that goes by the name of National Liberty Alliance-Illinois. And you will find that in the file section. And as a, as a clarifier, um, I don't support the decisions made by the NLA's governing body, their national people. I support them as an educational uh, assembly. So don't get confused when you see National Liberty Alliance Illinois. I'm totally independent of them as far as what I post and what I do. But the point is that story, that write-up, is in the file section. So if anybody's really interested, that's where you can find it. And that was my point. Yeah, and, and John, that touches on something that I, I've wanted to bring up for a long time, actually, is just because, like, I post, um, like, some lectures from somebody, some college lectures, university lectures, or somebody's website, things like that, doesn't mean I espouse everything they say. It means there's some good nuggets you can take out of this. <clears throat> there's very few people out there that I've found that have like kind of 100% of what's really going on. A lot of people are still kind of stuck in the matrix a little bit. So we have to be able to recognize where those little glitches are so we can grab out the meat and spit out the bones. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you bring up the thought of Rod Clash. I have said, and I will continue to say, that Rod Glass is a statutory master of the United States. And he went to the Supreme Court, and he didn't, you know, he sort of won, sort of lost, depends on the way you look at it. But even Rod, when he finished that experience, he realized he had to correct his status. <laughs> Which is my no, point. No. Yeah, Rod, Rod's from my neighborhood. He's from up by the Kalkaska area, northern, northwestern Michigan. I'm from up by the Traverse City area. Um, and actually, there's a great video. Um, in fact, I've got it on one of my uh, YouTube-created playlists. Uh, of It was the sheriff, or no, I think it was the current sheriff. Yeah, it was the current sheriff at the time of, I believe, Midland or Bay City, Michigan, was pulled over up in Kalkaska. And it made me think of, uh, of uh, Rob Ryder, actually. Ah. 
and he, he's trying to get out of the ticket and uh, get out of the DUI arrest. And he actually called the old sheriff from Kalkaska to come. And he actually came to the scene at, oh, three, four o'clock in the morning or whatever. And, and he told the sheriff, he said, listen, dude, this ain't like the good old days. And he said, this has been on the radio. Everybody knows about it. You're getting arrested. Nothing we can do. This ain't the good old days anymore. <laughs> so things so, are changing. Yeah. I, I, I want to describe the first case I ever won. Um, this is going back in 1983, and a little prep here. Um, I was looking for some adventure, and I had seriously done all my homework to go up to Unalaska Island and go crab fishing. And so that was my intention. And actually what happened was, shortly before that, and this is coming up on Halloween, one of my racing sailing buddies from my yacht club in Chicago said, we're bringing a 43-foot sailboat from Chicago to St. Thomas, and we need crew. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in there. So I've got to get my passport in a couple of days and, and leave. So it's like a Sunday, a Saturday, and I'm on a main street in Chicago, and I have my pickup truck, and I was sober. I wasn't drunk. And um, I started to pull out into traffic, and I looked, and this is key to the story, and I, I pulled out, and I got hit. Now, it is clear to me that when I looked in my mirror, there was nobody there. So the only way that I could have gotten hit is if this car appeared and was speeding, like, a lot. And so I, I'm getting ready to leave. I don't want any trouble. I just got a short period of time before I leave town. I'm already, you know, clearing my affairs. And I talk, and it's a 19-year-old chick. And she, I'm like, I'll pay for the damages. I'll fix your car. I don't care. I'm leaving town. How would it, you know, let's just take care of it right here, right now. And she's like, no, we're calling the police. And she was vicious about it. She was mean. And so the cop came and, you know, issued me the ticket. So I started looking up uh, what was going on with, with the traffic laws. And there was something that I had come across that really rung in my ears, which is never go in to a court with a traffic violation and use the words, I did not see. That's already an admission of negligent driving. So yep. I already knew this. I was already armed with this. So we go into court. And, you know, I wasn't perfectly honest. I uh, mm, used some extra discussion. Um, and so what I told the judge is that I had just put a new clutch in my truck. And it was really sensitive. And so I'm trying to creep out. And I'm creeping out and I'm creeping out. And I'm looking in my mirror while I'm crooking out. And I said that several times. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And my foot kind of slipped off the clutch a little bit, and the truck lurched a little bit. You know, like you pop a clutch, the vehicle lurches. And this chick hit me, and I, she was never in my mirror. And because I said, I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked, 
The judge brought the story about the new uh, clutch, case dismissed. <laughs> and that was the first case I ever won. Yep. Yeah, I looked and there was nobody there. And that's true. <laughs> that's true. I embellished a little on the clutch thing because, you know, it never hurts to boost your, your uh, story a little. Um, you know, my, my, I don't even recall if my foot did slip or not. It, it wasn't a new clutch, but whatever. But the important thing is that I said, I saw, I looked, I saw, I looked, I saw, I looked. There was nobody there. I started pulling out, and bam, out of nowhere, she hits me. Now, Judge, you draw your own conclusions on where the hell she came from. <laughs> and the judge dismissed the case. This chick was steaming, man. Now she got nothing. I'm not giving her a dime. I'm not giving her the time of day. And I'm out of town. I'm gone. I'm I'm on a sailboat headed for the Virgin Islands. Good luck suing me. <laughs> well, and, and that's where actually a benefit of maritime law comes in. Because that's why that was created. Maritime law was created because of the seas and the tide coming in and out. And you got to take care of stuff right now, here and now because you didn't know they might be back on the boat and they might be gone tomorrow. So you've got to take care of it as fast as possible. Uh, that, that's why uh, you're entitled to a quick trial, an expedient trial. Another humorous story. So I'm captaining a 62-foot powerboat down in Burnham Harbor in Chicago. And... Uh, our charters often get back around midnight, and by the time we clean up the boat and get rid of the food and all that, it's, you know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock, and then I'm driving one of my crew home, so now it's, you know, getting into 1, 1 1.30. And I had pulled over in front of her apartment, and we were chatting for a little bit, so I turned my lights off. So she gets out and goes home, you know, and I drive off. And I forgot to turn... My light's back on. Now, I'm in my captain's, you know, I got my white shirt with my bars on and all that crap. All up. And so I'm driving down a main street, headed up towards the expressway to get myself home. And I noticed a squad car, Chicago PD, with the lights on, coming my way. And, uh, you know, it took a little bit. And so I'm just at peace with the world. And I just had a wonderful night. And. I'm driving the speed limit. I'm in no hurry. And he, I noticed that this guy's not passing me. He's still behind me. So I said, well, okay, let's pull over. And it was a black cop, and this was a white neighborhood. And he was livid. He was really angry with me. And his word, his first, the worst words out of his mouth were... Why don't you pull it over for me? Don't you respect the police? Did you see I was behind you? What's wrong? Why didn't you pull over? And I calmly looked at him and said, I couldn't possibly imagine that you wanted me. <laughs> I just thought I was in your way. <laughs> and that freaked him out. That's why he was like, why would you be wanting me? And he said, your lights are not on. I was like, well, I just told him what I just told you guys. Well, you know, I just... Sorry. <laughs> and he was so twisted at that point, both with anger and bewilderment, that he just let me go. <laughs> I can't possibly believe you want me. What do you want me for? 
Well, he was pissed. He thought I was just fucking with him. Pardon my language. <laughs> that one still cracks me up. I guess as long as we're telling stories, I'll tell this one. I was on, oh, I don't remember what it is, US 2 or whatever. Goes through the UP of Michigan over towards Minnesota, Wisconsin. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll party all night with this girl. And we pulled into the spot. I don't even know if it still exists. Called the mystery spot. It was a tourist trap. And there's a side road that goes off from U.S. Whatever it is. One, two. <clears throat> and uh, we're up in there. We're parked. And we're drinking. We God knows what else we got with us. Anyway. Um, I see this car fly up the road past us and I, I kind of keep a watch out of the corner of my eye and all of a sudden I see brake lights and then I see reverse lights and I'm like get out of the car we both jump out of the car we walk over towards the entrance of this place I hand her the keys and I told her stick these keys in your bra she goes what what are you talking about I said stick the keys in your bra and she's just like okay and uh, <clears throat> the car comes all the way back, pulls in behind us. It's state police. They can tell that neither of us are in any condition to be able to do anything. Now, this was a few years ago. Today, probably wouldn't work. Okay. But anyway, um, they're getting ready to cuff us and everything. The second cop is shining his light in the car. He goes over to the passenger side, shines his light at the steering wheel, and he turns to the other officer and says, let him go. And the officer's like, what? He's like, no keys. There was nothing that could prove we were connected to that vehicle. And so they let us go. And they just said, you know what? Don't know how you're going to do it, but we recommend you guys get out of here. And so they jumped in their car, left. I walked out to the road to see which way they went and how far they went. And we jumped back in the car and went the other direction. You, know, uh, you kind of have to think on your toes when you're dealing with these little things. It doesn't matter if, if it's on the side of the road or if you're in the courtroom. you got to be thinking about what you're doing ahead of time. And make sure you're at least in the capacity to do that. Here's another story of a similar ilk. So I'm trying to get down to Burnham Harbor, which is, for people who know Chicago, it's right next to McCormick Place and Soldier Field, where the Bears play. And there's always big stuff going on. And I believe that this particular night, the Grateful Dead were playing in Grant Park, which is a huge affair. Huge affair. And um, it's often difficult to come off a of Lakeshore Drive and access the harbor um, during these events. And they have um, cops out on Lakeshore Drive for the ramp right uh, that goes right to the uh, um, Harbor Master Shack and the docks where my charter boat is. And that's very common. And generally, uh, you have a parking permit that hangs from your mirror and you know they're expensive and so the you know we have a chart two charter boats and 12 crew yeah we got two parking permits 
And so you don't, if you don't have it hanging from the rearview mirror, chances are pretty good they're going to give you a hard time or absolutely block you from access. Now, understand as a charter boat captain, I cannot not show up. <laughs> I have to go to work. And it's a federal offense to prevent me from access to work. So that's what's in my head. And I'm trying, you know, I'm off Lakeshore Drive and I'm on top of the ramp. And there's a plainclothes cop standing there, breathing fire, telling me to, you know, to take a hike. You can't go. And there were two uniform cops standing there right next to him. And I said, sir, you cannot prevent me from going to work. I said, I'm going to do a charter. The boat's very close, you know, 200 yards from here. Um, it could be easily proven that I'm a captain. It could be easily proven that I have a charter. And he had just adamantly refused to move. I said, okay, I'm going to run you over. I put it in gear, and I put it in forward, and I started moving, and I made that son of a bug jump. <laughs> and the other two cops, the uniform cops, was like, he's right, he's right, leave him alone, let him go. <laughs> I, I went to run this cop over, period. Oh, I mean, you know. Not gonna hurt anybody. I'm not gonna scuff his shoes. I'm not gonna knock him down. But I'm definitely coming through, buddy. And he backed, you know, he backed off like real quick. And the other cops, like I said, they were saying, you know, he's right. I, you know, I don't know what, you know, conversation ensued. I don't know if they tried to talk him out of it because I couldn't hear him before. But that gets back to what Brian said. You got to be quick on your feet. You got to know the law. Can't be afraid to make your move if you need to make your move. So that's that's that story. Yep, absolutely. Well, tonight was uh, going to be like a part two to last week regarding uh, status, uh, jurisdiction, capacity, standing, that kind of thing. Uh, if anybody had a question regarding that, uh, feel free to pipe in here now. Uh, we're over the one hour mark and some reason we had a tough time getting this going tonight but we're here so if anybody had a question regarding any of those things feel free to pipe up now that's what these calls are for they're really for the group so people can come in get to know each other tell their stories um you know and and learn from each other and get information we may not be able to find other places and find out things that people have actually done that actually works. There's a lot of people that do open, like uh, open Facebook at things and stuff like that. And they talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but at the end of the day, have they ever really done anything? What have they ever really filed? What have they ever really experienced? It's not hard to find out uh, very little, if anything. If they look at it and no. They, they didn't win shit. But anyway, so if anybody has anything, feel free. If not, I guess we will call it a night. This is a quick caveat. You know, I was talking about my I was talking about my personal story tonight. I have other wins in court cases where I've assisted other people. We did, but we didn't walk that path tonight. Yeah. 
Well, Ian, uh, just to let people know, I've, I've known about the situation with uh, him talking to the two women on the elevator. I've known about it pretty much since it happened, like five years ago, six years ago. Uh, it's just amazing that they're coming back on him now for it. Um, and he, and John's been with us for quite a while, you know, so, you know, it, it's good to have different group members come on and let us know what's going on with them and how they're handling it. Um, gives everybody else kind of a good heads up as to how to take care of their own stuff when, and if it ever comes around, I mean, I'm always about preventative medicine. So learning about this stuff ahead of time, 100% useful. Absolutely. But I guess if nobody has any uh, questions or whatever regarding status, standing, capacity, which kind of surprised me because there should be shitloads of questions about that, um, go ahead, feel free, uh, ask me later in the group or whatever. And like I tell everybody, you know, this is Sunday. Every Sunday night, 9 o'clock, we have this broadcast, uh, Sunday being the first day of the week. Not the seventh, not the Sabbath. That's another rabbit hole everybody's been dragged down. So thank you to the creators of the calendar, whether it's Gregory or whoever. Anyway, uh, thanks, John, for being here. Uh, Keith, our co-host, you're kind of quiet tonight. Maybe tonight just wasn't your night. That's all good. And I uh, just want to thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah, I'm here. I've been paying attention. Thank you, Brian. I've been working on my site. Night. Absolutely. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, John. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. And remember, preventive medicine is the best. Don't wait until you've got court at 9 a.m. Take care of it way ahead of time. <laughs> How many times have they come to us right before saying, help me, help me? <laughs> I, I get multiple calls a week at 8.30 in the morning. How long have you been following me? <laughs> anyway, good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.